Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why people around the world keep their milk at different temperatures, a diet that's good for your health and for the health of the planet, and a cognitive bias that might make you think that everyone agrees with you. Let's satisfy some curiosity. If you've traveled around the world, you may have noticed that we refrigerate milk here in the U.S., but people in most of the rest of the world buy their milk at room temperature. If you've ever wondered why, then you've come to the right podcast. The answer comes down to the way the milk is processed. Most milk is pasteurized, which means it's heated to a temperature high enough to kill bacteria that might make you sick. In the 1920s, a company in the United Kingdom came up with a way to pasteurize milk continuously instead of in individual batches, which made for a cheaper and more efficient process. High temperature, short time pasteurization, or HTST, is what the U.S. and Canada still use today, other than bagged milk, which I'm not going to get into. But in the 1960s, the packaging company Tetra Pak came up with a new technique. Ultra-high temperature, or ultra-heat-treated pasteurization, heats the milk to an even higher temperature than HTST. The result is milk that stays fresh and shelf-stable outside of the fridge for about three months, way beyond the 7 to 10 refrigerated days of HTST. That's what the majority of the world uses, and why you can find milk out on the shelves in many countries. Okay, so why on earth would you settle for milk that expires after a week instead of milk you can just leave sitting out for several months? Well, for one thing, the high temperatures make the long-lasting milk taste a bit more cooked than HTST milk. The Italian company Parmalat tried selling their milk on American shelves in the early 1990s and failed spectacularly. And the flavor might be the reason why. Honestly, though, the failure was probably cultural. Americans refrigerate a lot of things other countries don't, like bread, butter, and even eggs. We also put more ice in our beverages, and we drink our beer and white wine at colder temperatures. Still, times are changing. Shelf-stable milks like soy milk and almond milk are getting more and more popular, so Americans are getting more comfortable buying their milk off the shelf. The revolution's coming, and it is unrefrigerated. I don't know. I know people that refrigerate their peanut butter. I mean, yeah, when it's that natural peanut butter that can separate, keeping it in the fridge is actually a really good idea. But not like Jif. No. Do you know people who refrigerate Jif? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) No offense if you do that, listener. Researchers have come up with a diet that's good for your health and for the health of our planet. And don't worry, it includes a little bit of dairy, whether you refrigerate it or not. This is important because by one estimate, food production causes up to 30% of the greenhouse gas emissions in the world. And we use about 40% of all land for agriculture. That's why Harvard Public Health professor Dr. Walter Willett led a committee to figure out what we need to eat to keep ourselves and the earth healthy. The final report was a collaboration between 37 scientists from 16 countries, and they came up with a thing they call a great food transformation away from processed food and red meat and towards a diet rooted in plants. But don't worry, fellow meat eaters, they don't recommend pure vegetarianism. Instead, their proposed diet is pretty close to the Mediterranean diet, which is traditional in countries around the Mediterranean Sea. Dr. Willett and his team call their diet the Planetary Health Diet, and they argue that it would help alleviate six sustainability issues related to agriculture, including climate change, biodiversity collapse, and even water usage. They argue it could also meet the needs of our growing global population, which could hit 10 billion by the year 2050. Okay, so what's the diet? Pretty simple. 
more whole grains, less starch and sugar. Daily calories come mainly from rice, wheat, and corn, unsaturated oils like olive oil, and a little bit of dairy, like I mentioned earlier. It's heavy on fruits and veggies, too, in volume, if not in calories. All meat is optional, but if you insist, then go for chicken and fish over red meat. You can also have some sugar, but you only get 120 calories a day from sweeteners, meaning a can of Coke will put you over your daily limit. Now, this diet isn't without its critics. First off, some people can't afford to eat the way they quote-unquote should be eating. And for another thing, the whole report was funded by a billionaire animal rights activist, which may have biased its findings against meat-eating. Still, though, the team and its critics can agree that the way we eat now isn't healthy for us or for our planet. The precise path forward is up for debate, but the planetary health diet may be a good place to start. If there's one thing that's just as important as eating healthy, it's getting a good night's sleep. And if you have trouble sleeping at night, then we have the perfect offer for you from today's sponsor, Purple Mattress. Who doesn't love sleep? I mean, if you're going to spend a third of your life in bed, you might as well enjoy it. And the Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. Not to mention, you get free shipping and returns, plus a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. Plus, it's backed by a 10-year warranty. You're going to love purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 84888. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Were you surprised earlier when we said that some people refrigerate their peanut butter or that some people might be critical of a diet that's supposed to save the planet? Or that you can get milk in a bag? <laughs> that's a whole thing. We're not getting into that. Oh, Canada. <laughs> Well, you may have been experiencing a thing called the false consensus effect. That's what happens when you think that just because you and your loved ones share the same preference, you falsely assume that everyone does. It's a cognitive bias that we thought we'd end today's episode with. The false consensus effect was coined by researcher Lee Ross and his colleagues in 1976. They ran a series of experiments where they asked participants how they'd respond to a conflict and then asked how they believed other people would respond. Regardless of which option the participants chose in any scenario, they tended to think that most people would choose the same one. The participants also gave more extreme descriptions of the people who didn't choose their preferred option. They viewed their own choice as normal and just assumed that most other people would make the same decision. The false consensus effect may be a way for us to preserve self-esteem. We're motivated to think other people share our thoughts and feelings because if they didn't, that might suggest there's something wrong with us. Just keep in mind that the false consensus effect usually kicks in when you're absolutely sure. The more invested and confident you are about something, the more you assume others agree with you. The first step in fighting your brain's biases is to know about them. So keep it in mind and never be afraid to admit when you're wrong. Nobody's perfect. Not even us. Not even us. We've got a couple Friday fun facts to wrap up today's episode. But first, here's a preview of what you'll learn about this weekend on Curiosity.com. This weekend, you'll learn about brain research that shows why you should face your fears, 
Why scientists taught chimps to play rock, paper, scissors. How to get your bartender's attention, according to research. The difference between every salt you can buy at the grocery store and more. Ashley and I are always learning, just like you. So Ashley, what did you learn this week? So cephalopods, right? Those are the squishy sea animals like octopus, squid, cuttlefish. They're all super smart, but they're also totally soft, right? They don't have bones. Right. But they do have bones. What? Cuttlefish especially have what's called cuddle bone, and it's used in all sorts of different ways. You can actually buy cuddle bones at the store. It's I, I couldn't believe when you need to look this up because it's it's wild. It's just it's the size of a cuttlefish. It's just a big bone. It's an internal shell. <laughs> right. Is a shell a bone? I guess it depends on what you define as bone. They say that cuddle bone is composed primarily of aragonite. Sounds delicious. Yeah. But even squid and octopus also have one bony structure, and that is their beak, which is deadly. Wow. And can sever fish spines. Wow. One chomp. Yep. What is your Friday fun fact? I don't know how fun it is, but if you use Skype for business and you're trying to add a contact who uses consumer level Skype, you have to add them using the email address associated with their Skype account. Adding their Skype username will not work. I learned this when doing a test call with an upcoming guest that I'm very excited about. Very confusing. I like mine better. (laughs) (laughs) Yours a little more scientific, perhaps. Mine may be obsolete in like a day if Skype releases an update. But, you know, I I still learned it. So here we are. There you go. (laughs) So what fun facts have you learned lately? Drop us a line and let us know, and we might give you a shout-out next Friday. Until then, we'll talk to you again Sunday. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.